At this point, you should be on the frame with a film strip title that says Oral Hey, it's Oral Hygiene. It's where we talk about caught and educational films, uh, experimental sort of things of that nature, which I guess kind of today counts as that sort of thing. Uh, this is Matt here. Hi, Andrew. Hi. This one is Afronauts. That's right. Which uh, is a, a kind of a short film trippy short film about the Zambian space program. What's that? You may ask. We'll get into that a bit, but uh, this was this was your pick, your suggestion. So uh, how'd that come about? Because I didn't I'd heard like a word or two about the Zambian space program before having not looked into it. But uh, yeah, I definitely hadn't thought about it too hard till this. Well, that's the thing with this. Uh, a lot of people were kind of unaware that that even existed until this film kind of shed light on that. Um, I came to know Afronauts just because um, the news was that the movie was being made. And so obviously I'm curious about what is this movie about? What is it? Because Afrofuturism is going through a really interesting renaissance right now in film from like stuff like Black Panther all the way down through like Brown Girl Begins and things like this. And so um, it's a it's an awesome time. And uh, Afronauts, not only is it um, great, because somebody decided to make a movie about it, but also uh, the way in which it was made, I think has a classic kind of experimental feel to it that really ticks all the boxes for this podcast. And um, it leads one, just like any great movie, leads one to do uh, their own research into uh, the origins of it and what it's actually about. Because how things happen in this movie isn't quite how they happen in real life, but... Um, I, I, for one, loved getting into it and reading about the Zambian space program. There's a very short documentary uh, about it on YouTube that you can then watch after you see this. I think Afronauts, if it's not still on there, it was on the Criterion Collection at one point. It's part of, not on its own, was it? It was on the, uh, the Criterion channel, excuse me. Oh, okay, there we go. That makes sense. I was like, a 15-minute film doesn't seem like enough for a... Uh... <laughs> No, but I hope they do a feature length at some point. Um, yeah, it does have a bit of that spec film feel. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it feels like great sci-fi. I, I really... No, this one does stick together quite well on its own, but you could definitely yeah, yeah work with this a little more <laughs> if, you, sure, if you yeah. needed to. So it made me think of some of the spec films that we've come across where it was you know always kind of intended to hopefully expand into something a little bigger. Um, uh, but it is in keeping with the subject matter. Right. If you want to give uh, someone a quick rundown of this TV guide style. Oh, so um, uh, the Zambian space program, this is a condensed version of what happened. It's basically a young woman and a bunch of men from their space program that are constructing um, a spacecraft because they are trying to beat Russia and the United States to be the first people on the moon. And Mars. Yes, go to Mars too. That was yeah, yeah. that was another goal. Yeah, yeah, can't forget about that. Um, right. <clears throat> so 
yeah, of course, the first thing you do is start searching for a little history on this, which I have ready to roll. The the program was uh, put together by Edward Makuka Coloso. Sorry, I'm sure I didn't say that right at all. Yeah. <laughs> but um, he was, let's see, a member of the Zambian resistance movement and put this together in 1964. One of the yeah. weird things is everything you read is like, just like the movie is... Um, he had, you know, his astronaut was um, a seventeen-year-old Martha, right? So, yeah, yep. I'm like, and, uh, but that's... the program ran from '64 to '69. They gave up when the Americans maybe made it. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> we don't need to get into that. <laughs> but um, yeah, so they gave up then. But it always says seventeen-year-old uh, Martha. I'm like, well, she wasn't seventeen the whole time, so I, I guess she was out in '64, probably. I, maybe she wasn't there that long because it said they were basically having too much fun, and she went home pregnant. Yeah, that's what happened, and she became it. it pr- pretty much became like nil at that point. But the idea is he didn't give up on his dream. And so uh, even after she went home uh, pregnant and couldn't be the first person in space, he still wanted to develop everybody. He wanted to get everybody ready. He still wanted everybody to be trained to go. And uh, he tried to fundraise and all of this stuff. I mean, it, it may seem to some like kind of a fool's errand, uh, but he is not seen that way, like at all. What he did was like super inspirational. Because yeah, I think of the, just at the time, the idea that he would even attempt it, you know, I find just to be like an, I mean, it's, it's almost like Ed Wood, you know, you, you know the, the person just definitely has not got what it takes, but that doesn't matter. You know, I mean, it's that's totally not the point. So one thing the film maybe does, I, it depends how much you read into it. Um, they, I, you know, they don't want to m- make a farce of it. Right. So I started thinking of um, like in the film, John Carter, the uh, the astral travel method of space travel. Or maybe the Power Ranger style where you just make a rainbow and fly through space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, you yeah. know, it kind of, su- they have, I, I, you know, the suggestions that she is on the moon, of course. Well, what I love about it is that in a, such a compressed amount of time, this thing's about 15 minutes long or so. Um, you know, it goes into her parents and how her mother's really worried because she's like, look, you're going to blow up like a, like fireworks, you know, these guys are just going to, they don't know what they're doing. They're just going to kill you. Yeah, I put you dodgy know? space programs will blow you up is not bad advice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there's, it's not like this whole thing is this big fantasy that everybody's on board with, you know, Nucleoso is like, you know, the hero, he's, he's, he's all everything he knows all, and we're just all going to blindly follow him. That's not what happened. And so I'm glad that they showed this angle because it made, or not only did it involve the women uh, in the decision-making process, she was young. And of course the family was concerned about it and you do, you are kind of afraid. And it does seem like when I watched this, I didn't know the real story. So I was like, Oh man, did she blow up? <laughs> <laughs> you know, cause the ending is a bit ambiguous. It's like, uh, she's not in space. Is she in, is she dead? You know, I mean, it, it kind of leaves that open a little bit. And the plan was the the actual plan. It seems was to send two cats with her, and a yeah. missionary. I, I think we kind of leave out the missionary that was. I mean, they leave the advice at the end, like don't convert them if they don't want to be converted on Mars. But I, I think there was supposed to be another crew member who was going to be the missionary. So. Yeah, but they do. It's it's incredible how true they are to the real thing. 
you know they hit points like that in there uh, because the more you the more you read up on the the real space program there uh, and things that he actually said like there's you can like I said on YouTube there's a documentary you can watch him telling reporters this stuff and they managed to get it all in there. Yeah. Um, so a few of the things from that doc I just noted the differences. Um, the rocket in real life looked lamer than the lame rocket in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it was just yeah. a tube, <laughs> like even more so than this one. But their base camp wasn't just a couple of tents. They actually, you know, there was like a building or two there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you think about it, you're the person making the movie. You don't want people laughing at it, right? Know? And that could like so easily happen. So there yeah, had to be a degree of plausibility. I mean, you could certainly make a comedy about it, but then, then yeah, I would feel kind of wrong. I don't know. Maybe that would be. Maybe that's what cool runnings is. <laughs> I thought that, but I didn't want to be the one to say it. So thank you. Okay. Uh, I've actually no, never you seen had, that movie anyway. <laughs> you had to uh, uh, believe that um, there was an inkling that there would be success. And I think the movie kind of pulls that off, you know, because you, you know, your question is like, well, why is everybody thinking this is going to work? They have no reason not to think it's going to work, you know? <laughs> yeah. Again, that's where I got to thinking if the movie was trying to suggest other forms of space travel. Like, hey, mate, for a while, I was like, are, are they trying to build a Stargate or something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that'd be cool. Hey. It would um, be really cool. There is, it's, I don't think, it's, it's not Zambia, it's Mali, maybe? You've, you've heard of the Dogon people? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, because it made me think of the dogon stuff because they have all this like advanced astronomy knowledge that they've known for hundreds of years that you know like um scientists have only confirmed like in the past 50 years <laughs> yeah yeah and um that's kind of part of the rabbit hole of this you can kind of start going to all those different places and that's actually through us getting ready to do this um that was one of the places i landed okay yeah well that yeah the dogon does because that's that's a very old culture that has ideas that may be seen as similarly whack and then they turned out being right about a lot of them so it's like where, where did that come from they, they said it came from fish people so <laughs> you know i mean why not <laughs> maybe the the atlanteans could be fish people if they're coming from the seas right have you I, seen I, the thing in yeah. all, all the old carvings like with the little handbags that's pretty weird <laughs> you, you see the yeah, and that's like in multiple places in the world. So it's like, hey, how were people communi communicating in the past? Maybe that's something I was like, oh, or the, is the Zambian space program trying to like reenact some really old technology that maybe God, that would be cool would be seen as magic. Yeah. So, um, you want to try the barrel roll? You know, I mean, the guy that did it on Jackass. I think he got a concussion, but he was okay. <laughs> oh, so at least, at least he didn't do the 2000 Maniacs version of it. Oh, God. <laughs> put, what, did they have a bunch of spikes in there or something? <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah, no, there, there was clearly another purpose for that in mind. Yeah, that, no, I, I thought that was... Role. Again, I was like, you know, I was putting myself in the moment. And so I was going like, yo, I mean, why not? I mean, this seems... I'm going to space. I'm going to be in a tin can, right? Might as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you ever see the um, Upright Citizens Brigade sketch where the, the guy at the coffee shop really wants to be an astronaut? No, I didn't see. 
Oh, that's fun. So, I mean, that that is playing this completely for comedy where everyone in the coffee shop decides to try and help him. So they put like a, a fish bowl on his head and spin him around in a barber chair. Um, oh, God. Well, there is the Maurice Sendex story, uh, one of the chapters of Little Bear, where he uh, is going to go to the moon. And so he uh, he's he's like jumps down a hill and rolls around with his helmet on. And he's like, oh, God you know, I've reached space. I'm there. I did it. And so he goes and he's like, Oh, there's a house that looks just like mine. Oh, there's a woman. And it looks just like my mom. <laughs> and the mom goes along with this, like, Oh, look, a space traveler is a space traveler. Want lunch. <laughs> and, you know, little bears fine. Like, mom quit playing. I know I'm not on the moon. Come on. You should, yeah. I'm hungry. <laughs> the rocket's name. And this is Bantu. And I actually feel like the, and look at my little info thing. If I, if it has, I feel like the, rocket name was actually different for the actual space program yeah no they've you know there are things that they've changed um okay uh yeah d oh God, let's see the yeah, band is different named uh, named d kalu one after for the first president kenneth david conda okay so they did that's interesting that they changed the name of the rocket <laughs> hmm. don't know yeah okay I was curious, uh, this was originally intended to be a Black History Month. When we're recording it, it is Black History Month here in the United States. I was curious who was the first Black woman uh, to travel into space, and that was actually Mae Jemison uh, on the Endeavor in 92. Also the first astronaut on Star Trek. That's right. Uh, she was in a Next Generation, right? Yes, like, that's correct. <laughs> not long after that. Yeah, so. But yeah, yeah, that, that, so that's, that's cool. Um, I was just happy that I, I recognized the name because I was like, "Am I?" When you started saying it, I was like, "Am I going to be wrong about this?" Oh no, that's definitely her. I got the name. Okay. Yeah. No, that was. I remember reading that about her. What is your favorite Afrofuturism? Or maybe I should ask you, what is my favorite Afrofuturism? <laughs> What's your favorite? Yeah, I, I feel like it's an obvious guess um space is the place of course yes okay <laughs> how about for you uh you know it's that's a tough one um i love afronauts but yeah i would have to go with black panther i mean it's just so ultimate you know yeah for me um that i i do like black panther a lot but it's got i mean as much as it's advanced it, it is a little formula it's definitely in that mcu formula no it is i just I, i'm purely talking in, in terms of cinema because we are in a show that talks about movies um and so um you know if you want to talk about like books and things like that uh there's vastly i'm sure better better than that uh, but this is for me I just think like the depiction of something that was all made by them and undisturbed by Whitey's world. I really like that. No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's definitely cool. What I'm, yeah. So for me, it's like, well, it's a little bit of the MCU formula and that is one where the CGI really started to bother me, especially when they had CGI costumes. <laughs> when they were like doing the whole, the helmet goes on stuff like that. And just yeah, it's I I don't know I, I Marvel you know obviously Robert Downey Jr. didn't want to be stuck in that suit all day, so they started CGIing that, and then more and more it's like sometimes they don't even make the costumes anymore. Just yeah. to... I, my favorite part of Black Panther is when uh, Shuri and uh, Nika, I, I think it's yeah they're they're in the car together, 
and um, the car just kind of comes apart. Shuri's driving yeah. the car, so it's a Koye and Nokia that are inside the car. I just love that, and it's all computer. But oh, man, that that's cool. cool. It's, I think it's more the costumes and that last sequence, the final sequence of the film, just has a, a it feels it's a little quite, video gamey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that yeah. So and then and that's just yeah, just looking at it straight up as a film. As 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 for futures, yeah, Wakanda is pretty pretty cool. So <laughs> yeah, it is. And I just I know what it did for a lot of friends of mine too, and a lot of kids seeing that. That's just uh, uh, yes, the inspirational aspect of it is yeah. I'm I'm here doing dry filmmaking terms and looking at it. Yeah, so yeah. But the cultural you know, impact is definitely cool. And this, I, that's that's what the um, you know, Nicoloso did with his space program too. It was more about he's revered because of his vision. Right. Know? Yeah. I think I like the soundtrack for black Panther a little better in the movie. <laughs> Great soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> so, so just throw, throw that out. And I, I liked the black Panthers moments. I, of course you get all the Wakanda here and all the world building. That's, that's cool. But you get, um, I think you got better black Panther and that some of those other films. <laughs> well, maybe, but, um, Maybe part two will do it for you. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. So I, I like it. So I just, it, I don't seem to like it quite as much as everyone else. <laughs> I just, I don't know. It was such a mind blowing for me. Just so it was so unusual. Also, I, I didn't get the, there. I didn't feel the cultural push as much. You know, I just saw social media posts, but I'm in Japan where people are like, oh, it's just another Marvel movie. They didn't really pick oh, up on what it was here. Right. So no, here I can tell you, um, Whenever I would go somewhere in a Black Panther t-shirt, um, people would comment on it all the time. And also, um, I went to, the, I flew one time when wearing uh, my Okoye t-shirt, which is Dana Guerrero's character. And um, I had people who could barely speak English, like just like applauding my shirt. And one, <laughs> some people had their picture taken with me because I was in the shirt. Again, in, in Japan, the shirt doesn't matter. Like, I'll, I'll see a kid will come in, like, with a Ramones t-shirt. Oh, you like the Ramones? Who are the Ramones? You know? <laughs> sure. They they had this the thing at the Uniqlo a couple of years ago where they, you know, they always have their, like, t-shirt runs. And they, they did classic movies. So there are people walking around 2001 t-shirts and, and you know, um, I, I think I must be a lot of Kubrick, right? And the, the people wearing the t-shirt don't know what those movies are. <laughs> <laughs> looks cool who cares yeah. right so not being in the states for black panther might also have quite a bit to do with it <laughs> yeah no it was uh it was definitely a cultural Cause, phenomenon because i did watch it just as a movie without the, you know if you watch star wars just as a movie without the the original i mean without all the cultural weight behind it it's 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 an it's a pretty good movie but you know parts of it dragon stuff right <laughs> oh yeah 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 no, totally. Uh, what was the the supposed Harrison Ford line? You can write this shit, but you can't say it. <laughs> <laughs> God, how true. Yeah. So you know, so I, you know what, Black Panther is a better film than the original Star Wars, <laughs> easily. <laughs> I'm with you there, man. I, I mean, that was my takeaway. Um, I walked out of there thinking I've just seen, like, because I don't have any. I mean, Star Wars came out the year I was born. I don't remember seeing that in the theater, and when I saw the uh the re-releases or whatever it was great and it did do something huge for star wars like it created this whole new interest in it but black panther for me it's like i could feel the fact that i was seeing something like very significant and i i saw the film in an almost empty theater with other five people were you know very 
quiet, polite Japanese folks. Mm. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I saw Black Panther a few times and people, kids and families, everybody was just like, we're not going to forget this. <laughs> There's, it, it can only happen once. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're, I, I'm seeing a theater where people are like, I'm enjoying this and I'll, I will have forgotten it by next week. So, sure. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's where that is. But yeah, uh, Afronauts was filmed in 2014, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. it's a little, it's a little ahead of a curve. This is like kind of a cool precursor. Artistically, I think this is actually better than Black Panther, just as far as it's having a beautiful, a, yeah, having vision and yeah. like again, like uh, the thing that leaves me a little cold on Black Panther is the excessive CGI. We're here. The only thing I noticed is the shot of her on the moon. I, I thought it was funny because now that we all have green screens and zoom backgrounds you wouldn't have the problem where her helmet is artifacting a little bit yeah that's not a complaint i was just like three three years later that would like everybody can do that without it being a problem (laughs) yeah i i you know i if they do make a epic hollywood eyes version of this i still think afro knots the short is going to be the definitive because it does it being an independent production being lo-fi it really does echo it's uh, you know the subject matter. Well, I would assume that the the fuller length version would be, you know, still pretty low-fi, low budget, right? I mean, I you, would I would think so. I don't know. Giving this movie a budget would almost be condescending, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like I hey, you got, you got you you got to do it like the space program did, you know? Well, Which is that's the other cool thing about this movie, right? Like, it's it's not a high resource movie, but it. Looks cool. And now I'm thinking of the Apocalypse Now conundrum where the uh, long version of Apocalypse Now, I don't like nearly as much. Everything they added is fine, but it just isn't like hallucinatory and trippy like the theatrical cut of Apocalypse no, Now. So I, painting the corners of this might actually, yeah, take away from its uh, vibe. No, I agree. I agree. I'm, and I'm the same with Apocalypse. Yeah. Because there are a lot of movies where, you know, like, like Aliens, the, the, the James Cameron films, again, are usually pretty fine when you stretch them out a bit but uh at least they don't suffer from it and uh, what was it the abyss didn't even make sense until they extended it (laughs) yeah no there's now there's plenty of examples of where yeah the extended versions fill in a lot of gaps oh when i was asking when we were getting to other afrofuturism uh you started talking books and i thought you were going to go music (laughs) no i mean you could so yeah, I, I we 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 got to other topics, but what would what would be your favorite Afrofuturist music? I mean, there's more modern stuff like Janelle Monet, and there's um you know or classic funkadelic sort of stuff. What what what's your jam? I think Bobby Digital by RZA. Oh okay, that yeah that didn't even, that wasn't even on my short list. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, that that just I remember when that came out. I was just what is this like you know we didn't know still Riza is uh you know this was the 90s or whatever and he was there was a lot of talk about what it would be and it was just a concept record from hip-hop it's just very unusual but not not super unexpected from him but uh yeah that would be mine definitely i i would i would make it a toss-up of the the clones of dr funkenstein and um and dirty computer which have you seen the film for that mm-hmm. yeah yeah, that's another 
when you were mentioning the um, boom of Afrofuturism, that was actually the first thing that came to my mind. No, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that that's a, that's one actually I do mean to do for this podcast at some point. So <laughs> we got to, we got to. Yeah. But um, anyway, anything else you want to throw out for the the Afronauts today? Uh, no, no. It's just uh, you know, um, when is this going to come out? I don't know. Early Marchish. Okay. Well, you'll be sort of in, still on the periphery of Black History Month. You know what? Actually, you know what? It is Black History Month. I can swap this for the Wild Angels. So. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> no reason to put out the, the yeah, racist biker let's, movie. Let's, let's not do the Nazi bikers for Black History Month. Okay, so yes, you are hearing this in Black History Month because yeah. I just. Just revise the schedule, I guess. <laughs> okay, nicely done. <laughs> no, I've got nothing to add to that except for, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's possible it'll still be on the Criterion uh, channel. Yeah. You know, I don't want to sound overly clueless. I, this is Japan. We, we just had Foundation Day. I looked at the Foundation Day. Is that when Asimov's Foundation came out? No, that's the Foundation of Japan, which makes more sense for the holiday. So, <laughs> Of course, your mind would go there. Well, I didn't catch it was actually it was it was on my iPad. So I was like, is it giving me some personal notice or something? And like, oh no, it's actually uh, why would telling. it be Foundation Day anywhere? Yeah. <laughs> Asimov's anyway. Yeah, that's where I was confused. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell tell them about where you're at then. Okay, Gonzorific, G-O-N-Z-O-R-I-F-F-I-C dot com. You go there, um, you can see um yeah, a couple of little sci-fi's we made on our YouTube channel. One called Nerd Box. We used a lot of green screen. Uh, it was my first attempts at really doing green screen with character stuff. So check it out. As for this, it's Oral Hygiene. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're at Patreon under Podcastio Podcastius, where you will find us talking about the Twilight Zone and Time Enough podcast, sci-fi films of Matt Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary. You'll hear about Pokemon, Monster Hunter, and weird video game trivia and some of our other offerings. Offer us money and we'll we'll give you more stuff. Like uh, <laughs> current currently the run of Garth Mringi's Dark Place is podcasted on our Patreon for the moment. So we've done five of the six. Waiting for Scotch Miss so I can bring on my friend who's who's been learning Scottish Gaelic. So I don't even maybe he won't even comment on that episode. He'll just like say weird like Scottish Gaelic stuff in the background while we do the podcast. God, I can't wait. I can't <laughs> wait to hear that. <laughs> okay. So let's get our rockets ready. That's right. And explode. Did you advance the film strip? Are you on the final page? Well done. A pitching rather than a rotating, who says I come from origins unknown? out where to here to back out there oh for the ultimate voyager a touchstone out somewhere north or south of gemini nothing eccentric about my orbit scout the way in the immensity off to the place i remember not to forget 
Selected from where stars are born. Can't enumerate the joy of past sex. None of this is either rare as they say. Fire that we steal. <laughs>